Welcome back to Beer Bubbles Podcast. It is me, Rasmus. And it's me, CC. And our guest today is Johan Granberg, sales manager at Original Brands and Bottle Shop. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. So you started working with beer in 1991. I wasn't even born then. <laughs> <laughs> You're born, you born in 1993, aren't you? 94. 94. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you start working and uh, why did you choose beer? I started working at the pub in uh, Östermalm, Stockholm. And the reason I chose that just I was going home and saw a sign in the window that said help wanted. And started out that way. And we had at that time four draft beers and 17 bottles, I think. Oh, that's crazy. What was the name of the place? It's called St. Andrews Inn. Okay. Is that still around? It's, it's still around. It's okay. st- still going strong. And you said you had how many draft beers? Four. Four draft beers and, and how many about bottles? 17 bottles. But that but was kind of big for a place in town back then. When I left there five years later, we had nine draft beers and 78 bottles, which was quite big for that time. Did people still order Storstark mainly? Mainly Storstark, and most of the beers were different types of lagers. Okay, so Storstark, tell people who don't know what Storstark is, what, what it well, it means big, strong. Storstark, big, strong. It is the largest, cheapest beer, the most alcohol for money you can get. Okay, so more... That doesn't taste strange as well. Okay. <laughs> that has changed a bit since then, and probably changed a bit while you were there as well. Yes, and uh, we started, since we were a pubish-style restaurant, we started selling English and Scottish beers, so we had... Bishop's Finger, Newcastle Brown Ale, McEwan's, which we I don't know if we can get in Sweden anymore. I haven't seen it for ages. I uh, saw it in Scotland a couple of years ago. Okay. Have you tried any of those beers? Bishop Fingers I've tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few times. <laughs> you know I love ales. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, and you ended up at Bishop's Arms. Yes. As bar manager for... How many places were you bar manager for? Three? Three, yes. And a short... Uh, Extra turn at one other, so four mainly. But you didn't only work as a bar manager, you were kind of a fire extinguisher as well. Yes, I started working with the head office as uh, help for pubs that needed it, or pub managers. So they sent me to pubs and I helped them get the pubs in order. Okay, but what's the concept of Bishop Arms? Because not everyone listens from Sweden. No. So Bishop Arms is, that's a chain of pubs. It's a chain of pubs that started out in 93 when the owner of the pubs, he owns several hotels and he stood in a hotel bar and saw people going out to town to drink beer, not staying in a bar and drinking drinks. So he looked around and decided, I'm going to try to build some pubs in my hotels. He tried it three places, opened up within a couple of months, and they were success from day one. It started in Westeros, didn't it? Westeros was the first one, and that's the reason it's called Bishop Arms, because it's about 100 meters yards or 300 feet from the cathedral of Westeros. Okay, okay. So the Bishop Arms started up three bars in his hotels. Yes, three different towns, Westeros, then Örebro, and then Nordköping. And when did you come to Stockholm? Do you know that? Uh, uh, Ninety-six, five or six. And the first one was Belmansgatan? Or no, the first one was St. Eriksgatan in Palace Hotel. So at first, is they only thought to have pubs in the hotels. But then Belmansgatan, which you were the pub manager of for a while, 
was the first one that wasn't connected to a hotel. Yes, and uh, they saw that in larger towns or in small towns where they didn't have hotels, there were room for a pub. So they started opening pubs outside of the hotels. You were kind of a fire extinguisher, you said? What was yep. the, the absolute biggest struggles going around helping out pubs that needed help? To increase sales. That's the biggest struggles always. And to activate the pub, all from beer tastings, wine tastings, what type of food and how they serve it, and to yeah, pub quizzes as well. That's been really popular. I actually was to pub quiz of yours just the other day. Mm. We, uh, my team came second. Yay! Yay. <laughs> You're such a good boy, Cici. Yes, I am. <laughs> and no cheating as well. No cheating. No, I think. From all of this, what was the, the greatest rewards that came out of it? For me personally? Or yeah, for you personally. <laughs> for me, it was the appreciation I got from not only the pub managers, but also the pub staff. Usually where I went, sometimes I came like, oh no, it's the guy from headquarters. And they hated me. And a couple of days later, we exchanged email addresses, so... It was really good. But also also the people you meet. The customers must have been working in the same pub all the time. You kind of you meet new people, but you get a lot of the same regulars in all the time. Yeah. Must be k- kind of fun to go to a new town, meet the new meet new regulars. Absolutely. And uh, hard as well because some regulars don't recognize that I've never been at that pub before. So I don't rec- recognize them. But it's fun, and they usually enjoyed it, uh, experience as well. Now you work with imports, and mainly from behind the old Iron Curtain. Yeah. Mm. What countries are those? We're working with uh, Russia, Poland, Croatia, Estonia, Latvia, and uh, Lithuania. Finland as well, as we call that, behind the Iron Curtain. Well, it was part, it was part of Russia, yeah. and part of Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> so. You brought a beer. Yes. Should we open it? I've never tried it before, but the style is really what uh, Rasmus loves. I, I like, <laughs> love this style as well. But if you open it, Rasmus, I'll pour it. And you can tell us a bit about what this beer is. What, what are we going to drink here? This is a Russian Imperial Stout from an Estonian brewery called Lehe. And it's called Singularity. Singularity. And it's brewed with cocoa nibs. Okay. Barrel aged as well. The type of barrel, I sorry, I don't know. but So should we try it? Yes. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a big one. Oh, that's, that packs a punch. You can tell it's quite strong. How strong is it? 14% or so. <laughs> 18%. Yeah. Holy crap. This 18%? is this. 18, not 80 <laughs> <laughs> we're not drinking store rum here we're drinking <laughs> beer still oh that is that is massive but it's sweet but not in a sugary way more of a molasses way yeah and even though it's 18 percent you don't it doesn't taste like liquor like it's no no still no. very well balanced you, you just get the warm mouth feel of it yeah mm. that is that is absolutely stunning but this, this is what we like with many of the brewers we work with from Behind the Iron Curtain is they're relatively unknown in Sweden or completely like Lehe. I don't think either of you have I, heard I've of. never heard of it. And they make excellent beers, usually in very good balance. You don't even if they're strong, you don't get the alcohol punch, which makes it quite dangerous. And they they got kind of a tradition as well with working with really dark beers as well. Yeah. There's a reason why there's a style called the Baltic Porter, which actually comes from like the Baltic countries. But I was thinking overall, how is the attitude towards craft beer over, over at the old Iron Curtain? It's evolved quite a bit. I started going to former, former Eastern European countries for 10 years. The first town I went to and went back a couple of times was Prague. And the first time they had about one craft beer bar. 
and every other bar just had different types of uh, either lagers or some cloister style beers, abbey style beers. And that was about it. The last time I went to Prague, four or five years ago, almost every bar had some kind of craft beer, usually on bottle, but there were several craft beer bars and they're quite good. And the attitude towards craft beer has evolved enormously. I know Poland's exploding with new breweries. Yeah, there's a Polish brewery was voted the 48th best brewery in the world the last year by Ratebeer site. Which brewery was that? That was Bruvar Pinta. Oh, we've tried a few of their beers, actually. We've had them in, in the bar. Yeah. Which other countries would you hold forward as the ones now driving the Eastern European wave of uh, craft brewers? I've been to Belgrade in Serbia, and it was quite good. There's popping up craft beer bars there, so there as well. But the town I really enjoyed was uh, Kiev in, U- in the Ukraine. I went there just on a whim, and I had a fantastic couple of days. The craft beer scene was really alive. So I went back a couple of months later just for a second tour. And uh, you also do beers from Russia? Uh, I've tried a few things from AF that are really good. Are there any other Russian breweries that you would like to lift? Uh, not over the top of my head. There are so many Russian breweries now. I've tried several on my trips because even down in the Czech Republic, you can find Russian beer in craft bars. I've tried several, but I can't really say off the top of my head. But you've been over there quite a lot of times. There's got to be crazy stories because the culture over there is totally different from what it is over in Sweden. So have you got any crazy stories for us? It was kind of fun when we started importing from AF Brew, which means anti-factory. And that's in St. Petersburg? St. Petersburg. Then the Russian uh, export ministry contacted us and said, we have lots of breweries you should import. And they sent us a list and talked to us, and mostly of them were of the lager. And we said, no, not, that's not quite what we looking for. Two weeks later, the Belarusian export ministry contacted us as well and invited us to a beer festival. And this was just when the COVID started. So for a two-day festival, we would have to have gone two weeks early <laughs> and stay two weeks <laughs> quarantine for oh. a two-day festival. So we didn't go, but mm. would have been fun. You've never been down to any like backdoor bars in Russia and, and had mafiosos trying to steal all your stuff? <laughs> Actually, I felt safer in Kiev than I do when I go home at night in Solentuna. I was scared when I went there because I heard of hooligans, people getting robbed... And we're also at war with Russia, with a third of the country occupied. You didn't notice that at all in Kiev. So that's cool. So go to Kiev, try some beers. Do, please do. To come back to the other side of your job, uh, which is bottle shop. Yeah. The shop is not newly opened, but you've kind of reinvented yourself. Mm. What is bottle shop now? For those who haven't heard of it, it started out several years ago selling low alcohol beers. For those of you who aren't in Sweden, that's the only type of beer we can sell directly to people. Otherwise, you have to go to a state liquor store. The, the monopoly, basically. Yeah. The beers you, you sell at the bottle shop, they're up to 3.5% because that's what you're allowed to sell to the public. But there's not just one 3.5% beer in, in there. It's absolutely crazy. I've been there a few times and there's beers all over the place. Mm. We've got usually around 90 different low-alcohol beers in the fridge. Plus, we've got a brewery in the cellar, so we have a couple of their beers on tap as well. Yeah, you just started that brewery downstairs. That brewery started so the first beer in this summer, so the first beer was sold the first day we opened in a new shop. And that was? That was a new Eng- low-alcohol New England IPA. And you started on? on the uh, in mid-August. Mid-August, yeah. But that's when you moved into the, the shop next door? Yeah, the n- bigger shop. 
And it's not just a bottle shop anymore. No, we sell uh, knäckebröd or hardbread pizzas, which is the uh, first time I heard of it. I thought my manager was crazy. Then he made some and it was actually quite good. And we do it with Swedish taste this because hardbread is kind of Swedish. So we got locks, a special kind of sausage that's called isteband and stuff like that. All the ingredients are Swedish. And if you feel the need to wash your undies, you can also uh, use a laundromat. Yeah, we have two washing machines. This combination machine, so you just stuff your dirty laundry in there, push start, and then you come ho- come back a couple of hours later, and it's dry. Or you sit there and, and you have a few beers. I was yeah. just about to say that, have a few beers and eat of a Of course, pizza. that's <laughs> uh, what we expect people to do. I want to live, uh, is it still on Södermalm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to live there now. Just around <laughs> the corner from Solotersvik. But do you like sell packages as well with like beer... Beer, pizza, and laundry. A pizza, a couple of beers, and the time at the laundromat. Yeah. Oh, that is just awesome. Is that popular? Do, do people do that? In Sweden, most people have washing machines at home. Our big target was the backpackers for the summer. But this summer, they, they want that many backpackers in Sweden. <laughs> Hopefully next summer. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a couple of people who come by. And also, there's the short program, which gives you dry clothes in less than an hour. is perfect. So we, we had a couple of people come by. But there's a gym next door. So they wash the gym clothes and uh, have some... Uh, Liquids to reset the bodily balance. <laughs> As you have to do. As I do today. <laughs> <laughs> you see quite a lot of new beer styles. And b- over in, in like the eastern, eastern part of Europe, they're really taking to heart these so-called new beer styles, even mm. though some of them are quite old. Yeah. So um, what's the future over there when it comes to sours, like Kettle Sours, Berliner Weisse, Gose, but also... New England IPAs, IPLs. The big difference I've noticed in with beers is that their style, their slight singularity. It's full-bodied, round, very alcoholic in content, a bit sweet, but it's not as sweet as a pastry stout. They don't really do pastry stouts. If they do it, it's not as sweet or pastry-ish as the beers in Western in the Western world. It's also with the New England IPAs. They're not so obtusely heavily fruit is that it looks like you're drinking multivitamin juice. They're a cleaner style of beers. And they also keep a bit of bitterness to the beers. It's not just mango smoothies. No, absolutely. But it's fun. When I were in Kiva, I saw uh, Swedish sour beers in the coolers. Oh, cool. So I saw from Douglas and the Brekeriet. Oh, that's, that's really nice. <laughs> it's nice to know that we're doing something good over here. Yeah. <laughs> But what, what styles are the biggest ones in that side of, of Europe right now? Well, as in Sweden, of course, traditional international lager is the, the really big thing. Otherwise, I'd say the IPAs, New England IPAs, the pale ale IPA style beers. But stouts are much bigger there than they are here. There's a difference in Sweden as well because stouts and porters are kind of big on the West Coast. They're not big at all in on the East Coast in Sweden, no. probably because of tradition, because on the West Coast we had all the big harbors that actually dealed in Baltic stouts from, from the East Block over to England mm. back and forth. But you're located in Stockholm. You've got one foot on, on the Western side, one foot on the Eastern side. What styles do you see coming all around now? For a lo- couple of years years ago, we talked about next year the sour beer is going to be big. Next year the sour beer and now the sour beers are big and also the New England and UC IPAs are really big. 
I haven't really heard any talk of what's coming. One thing I noticed is that many people are backing towards more classic, not that juicy beers. So sour beers will still be, but then I think more classic like West Coast, East Coast IPA, the not juicy styles. I feel like there's been a lot of hazy pale ales and IPAs last year. Even though it doesn't say it's a New England style or hazy style, mm. it's still hazy, even yep. though it just says IPA. <laughs> you yeah. pour it and you're like, okay. <laughs> I've actually had quite a few people coming in asking for old style IPA. And I'm saying like, what do you mean old style? Well, as they were about 15 years ago. Mm. So they're talking about classic West Coast American style IPAs more. But also lagers are oh. in Sweden right now shooting the craft lagers are one of the big things absolutely i i love drinking craft lagers or actually i love drinking lager who doesn't <laughs> <laughs> but it, there's a reason why 95 percent of the world's population that drink beer actually drink lagers because it's easy access it's not hard to drink you don't have to be nerdy to drink it but you can if you want to especially if you drink craft lagers the attitude towards craft beer during the pandemic, because you started out in August with the new bottle shop. Have you noticed any change in attitude towards the strength of craft beers and craft beers in general? For us, um, the pandemic actually, and the, the move and the pandemic hasn't been all that bad in combination. We do better sales than we did last year. But the attitude in total, I can see Systembolaget, the sales of Swedish craft beer have exploded people are ex- experimenting more because they it's cheaper to experiment at home than at the restaurants so you don't really mind if i don't like this beer for 25 crowns ah, it's okay as opposed to paying 100 crowns and don't like it when it hurts your wallet it it kind of hurts mm. so f- for you you've been going up since last year even during the pandemic. Yes, our company has been because the bottle shop and the uh, low alcohol sales is quite good. We do in certain areas of Sweden, we do deliveries. So it's good and we have we have beers in Systembolaget which helps as well. That's kind of cool to hear because us in restaurant business, it's been a total kick to the balls, basically. Mm. And a little bit more. Well, I started as a sales rep this February just in time for covid so you can imagine how my sales been this year <laughs> I, I i i do understand <laughs> but but on the other hand you have the low alcoholic side of it that actually carries the mm. company as well yeah but when it comes to that when the, the sales rep for the restaurants do you see a light at the end of the tunnel do you see it uh, going better soon or do you think it's gonna in august i saw the light august and s- september were actually quite good months and october uh, october was w- good as well and then came the first press conference from the government the prime minister where he advised people to stay at home and then came the, came the second with close down well not proper close down no. but they closed down at 10 o'clock and also the recommendations not to go out and and visit restaurants and bars if you don't have to that has really been i must say for us in the restaurant business now is worse than March, April when, yeah. when, it, when COVID hit. I can see that from my point. But I read today that, actually this day before coming here, um, that uh, one restaurant actually got permission to be open to 3 a.m. selling only non-alcoholic beers or light alcoholic beers up to 3.5%. Have you seen that today? It's fun uh, that you mentioned it because today, just before coming here, there were restaurants who will be open from quarter to 11 till 01 selling low alcohol beers. They open till 10 selling regular beers, then close, throw everybody out, stand outside, and then they let people in and just sell low, low alcohol beers. 
Do you feel like that can be something that other restaurants can do as well? Everybody can do it for the license if they have a license for alcohol. But the thing is, it is a pandemic. Yeah. We want to try to keep people separated. We want to try to get people to um, not be so close to each other. Is that going to help or are people still going to go home and have after parties and and get absolutely blasted at home instead? Uh, I think it's going to be both. I know that this weekend, the first short down weekend, the police broke up a party with, uh, I think I read it was 150 people in a small local. But the good thing about low alcohol beers like this restaurant, we pointed out that they're also allowed to sell them for takeaway. So they can sell low alcohol beer for people to take home. That That is kind of cool as well. What can we do to survive economically in this pandemic and what kind of aid would you like to see from the government to help us survive what i think is that the government should realize that this pandemic has actually shut down one whole segment of the country which is the service industries just not just restaurants if you look here in this area and see the tourist shops everybody who sells to restaurants and tourist shops every hotel there's nobody traveling anymore the government should say this is an emergency we will pay your salaries at least at uh, unemployment basis. Should we move on to... Because uh, pandem- it's such a depressing thing to talk about. <laughs> I was just about to say, on the positive note, <laughs> imagine if the world was normal. Everything was back to normal. Mm. What, which are the three beer bars that you have to visit if you're in Stockholm? Well, you can't ask that and not get accurate for an answer. You always should go to accurate. Well, accurate, uh, for those who don't know it, was... Voted best beer bar in the world, I think three years running at Rape yeah. Beer. Yeah. They have one of the best cuvier basements of um, traditional sour beers, Lambics. And uh, also a lot of um, Westflatern and stuff like that. And also lots of Swedish microbrews. If you go there, you must check their beer list. It's a must. N- what is number two on, in your, on your list? Well... If I just look to places where I go, the Soldatensveik, if you want a traditional good Czech lager and a really good Czech food, that's and, the place to be. And the atmosphere be. is fantastic. And the atmosphere, absolutely. It's almost like being Czech Republic. I actually had my first visit just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I took you. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> first visit? My first visit, yeah. Shame. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, shame. That's, that's what I said, and that's why I brought him there. So he, he got a schnitzel. The, the funny tried thing a few is, like, Cece invited me like two or three years ago, but he never took me. Well, you didn't come. That's more the, re- that's no, more the reason. I blame you. <laughs> so you got Akrat, you got Salat and Shrek. What's the third one? Well, I'm going to switch uh, type of beers and say uh, Belgobaran or uh, Plesklubben. For Belgian beers and Belgian foods. Well, you got that at Akarat as well. Well, <laughs> but Akarat has everything. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. One of the best beer guys when it comes to Belgian beers who's in charge of Pressklubben. Yeah. Now we come to the final and meanest question in the world. The Desert Island beer. The one you can drink as many as you want of, but you can never have anything else. Which one would it be? Actually, that's not a mean question. I have one, and it's going to shock many people who know me. Miller. I can drink Miller always. Okay. Just ice cold. At some times, it's the per- best beer in the world. It's like when you work 12 to 15 hours in a row, taking last orders. You put the Miller in the ice bucket. When you shoo out the last guest, you lock the door. Everybody meets in the bar. It used to be twist top. You twisted the top off, threw it over your shoulder, and just down the miller. 
then it's the best beer in the world. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and, and for you then? Well, I'd imagine I wouldn't have a fridge or ice on this island. <laughs> well, we're not talking about an island now. We're talking about <laughs> the only beer you can have for the rest of your life. It's more of a oh. metaphorical island. Have I mentioned I don't like you, Cece? Putting me on this spot again. I, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> From the top of my head, I'd probably go with... Uh, you know what? I'd probably go with the same thing as last time. I, I'll, I'll go with my Tilquin Gus. Mm, Tilquin Gus? Yeah. What was it? The 2014 brew I drank that I saved for five years? That one. <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. Well, I, I must tell you, I could never have a sour as my Desert Island beer. Because I can have one or two. And I, as, as you guys have seen me, mm. I'm not the smallest guy in the world. I love drinking lots of beers. So I'll probably end up drinking Dale's Pale Ale, Bitter Bitter, or... What? You get to choose several beers. We only got one. Well, I'm, I'm in charge. So <laughs> 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 oh, no, you know what? I'll have a really good craft lager. Don't care which brewery it comes from. If it's a well-produced craft lager, that's mm. mine. That's good. Guys, thank you very much. Don't forget to uh, check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, click in the notifications and uh, comment because we love your comments and we want your opinions. And hey guys, whatever you do, and hey guys, whatever you do, drink drink better better beer. beer.